Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Steve, and we're back for another session. But today's not a session, it's going to be a bit of a ramble, a bit of an easy run and ramble. It is Thursday, the 11th of June, it's about 5.30, 5.45, something like that, and I'm just sorting my equipment out, I'm going to get going, and I'm in Epping Forest, and we're just going to do an easy run, for however long it takes me to do a loop forest or part of the forest and this uh, today's ramble is really in response to one of the things that I've seen as a bit of a trend through lockdown and through the past 13 weeks of upheaval that we've all suffered from and and in particular, speaks to the the thing that I know many people are doing, which is a reflection upon their life and what you want to achieve, what your purposes are, or what your purpose is, what you want to be doing for a job, for a career how you want to be living your life. Because I think with what's happened, I think it's made us all realise that there are some things that of course we miss, that we want back again. But there are also some things that we don't miss at all. And we absolutely don't want back again. So it's been a period of time where I think we've all thought about that. So I thought it might be interesting. And also a few people said to me after the last one of these sessions, so I've recorded two like this, one where I talked a little bit about my background in running. Uh, another where I talked a little bit more about the milestone pursuit and what that's trying to do. And a few people said it'd be interesting if I could expand a little bit on my own career choices. So I guess there's two things going on here. One is as we're reflecting on what we want out of life post lockdown or post 2020 or post Covid and also maybe some thoughts from me might based on my 
own uh, experiences might help that process I guess so I'm jogging through the forest I want to keep my run easy so I can be conversational let's see where it takes us and that's part of it really part of it is the story is about steps into the unknown and what I'll do is you know, I'll start way back so I'll start back at school talked a little bit about that before I can't remember which episodes these are they're both called recovery rambles and I'll put the details in the notes that go with this on your podcast platform but school for me well actually as you grow up I never really knew what I wanted to do in my life what I wanted to do for work I knew one thing I didn't want to do which was to follow in my parents' footsteps as farmers Uh, but I never really knew what I wanted to do so when I was doing my A-levels and choosing a degree course I kept it really broad did geography biology and chemistry things that I was reasonably good at and then I went on to do geography at university and I chose to go to Loughborough University and they happily accepted me well, happily they accepted me would be a better way of saying that uh, and that was really about doing something that wasn't that was going to be fun and interesting I wasn't really interested in doing a degree in something that involved lots of technical skills so that's probably a lack of confidence as much as anything else And Loughborough was good for me. I didn't really fancy a big city. That might have been a bit too daunting to country bumpkin, Steve. Oops. Uh, it's bad enough listening to the traffic on the A509, let alone living in a city centre somewhere. Um, Enough for appeal because of the sport, let's be honest. You know, I was a keen sportsman, football and cricket in particular. But you get a wake-up call when you go to Loughborough, so you think you're good. And I never really thought I was good, and I was always intimidated by people who were more talented than me. And, you know, you turn up football trials at Loughborough University, hundred odd pressures or whatever it was probably more and uh, they immediately segregate you into people who played county football at school or played county schools and those that hadn't 
So you already knew if you were in with those that hadn't, that you weren't going to be included. Uh, I had, but I still wasn't going to be included. But what you do is you find dozens of like-minded people, but it's super competitive, very male, very alpha. And I was broadly okay with that, I struggled a little bit. But it, what it gave me was a strong sense of competitiveness. That is for sure. But, having said that, when I came out of university, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I went back home. After my finals. And, uh, worked on the farms for the summer. Quite enjoyed it. and applied for loads of jobs in sales, weirdly. I'm totally not a salesman. But it felt like a broad thing that I could be able to manage. And this was, you know, not long after the early 90s recession, so this was 94. It wasn't easy to get work. But I once uh, received a call, sent my CV loads of places like you do, received a call from somebody that we're from a company called TSMS had to ask them to repeat that no idea who they were can you come in and have an interview so I headed off to London to Ealing, Hangar Lane in fact bang on the gyratory and had an interview for a company that sold TV airtime on behalf of some of the ITV regions. No real idea that that sort of thing existed. And uh, half an hour interview later, I was asked what, you know, one question I can remember was, what sort of adverts would you put in the news at 10? I think I said Volvo. Don't know why, maybe I said car. I can't remember now. That seemed to tick the box. It's not rocket science, it's advertising business. And got home, got a call. We'd like to offer you a job. I told him I'd think about it. Came off the phone, told my mum, and she went, What do you mean, think about it? Take it. I'm like, Okay, we'll do. Took the job, moved to London, started working in, in media. And they're all saying it was media. And I'm like, it's not really media, is it? Media's making stuff, isn't it? Isn't it TV programmes? We're just selling ad spots. But anyway, so I did that for a year and decided that the people I used to sell ad spots to were having much more fun. In that, and in particular a driver for that was being a bit more involved in the overall process, so 
if you're selling antibiotics, all you really give a shit about is making a bit of money for the company you're working for. Whereas if you're buying the ad spots, you're at least thinking about a more integrated campaign or you're thinking about clients' longer-term objectives and that's felt more interesting to me. And therein lies something that we'll come back to later. So I move to what is the agency side and I've stuck at that for 20 years oh we'll stop crossing the road yeah 20 years of working with clients on their advertising strategies or their media buying strategies all within the same company continuous employment but with lots of change within it so originally worked for a small company was taken over by the big parent and there's been a few mergers along the way lots of acquisition lots of consolidation but from the first half of that career up until 2008 to be honest and the credit crunch when things got tough economically and growth fell out of the advertising market it had been a really good story and journey of personal growth so I'd worked really hard had a lot of fun but worked really hard pushed myself had good bosses who gave me room for growth in particular Jenny Bigham who now is running uh, the Seven Stars which is a big big independent London based agency doing really well Uh, yeah loads of room for personal growth the business part funded an MBA for me which helped me learn more about business and a bit more specialist skills and you know I was really motivated and the career was going really well and then from 2008 it changed and the thing that changed most on reflection didn't really notice it at the time was the focus away from growth for people and into profit growth as the primary motivator. Now that had always been the case, obviously, we always trying to make money. But it became way too dominant in my opinion. And this comes back to another thought. Which is the value over the processes over outcome. Just gotta pick it up to go past someone, don't want overhearing my conversation at this point yeah so I'm a big believer in that as we shall see if you do the right things you do things well then good outcomes follow I think if you're driven entirely by the outcome 
without care and attention to a value-driven process. It unravels pretty quickly. So, I plugged away anyway, being a committed and loyal type of a person. And obviously it took me a few years to work out that I was becoming increasingly unhappy in that sort of environment. And, you know, 2008 changed things. I didn't know at the time. But 2012 really kicked things on. By the time we got to the Olympics, and I was lucky enough to be present at quite a lot of events, to be living nearby as well. I was living in Haggerston at the time. You get a really good sense of the vibe of the Olympics. And it just made, I mean, just two weeks. And that's all it is. You just, it just made me realise that there was more to what I wanted to achieve and wanted to be involved in. That time coincided with having children, so I had Leo, my eldest, in the back end of 2011. And and my wife was well on the way to having our number two who was born in February 2013 so and also I turned 40 in 2012 so there's a whole bunch of things that sort of came together a bit like Covid has probably done for lots of people and just made me think hmm, I'm not sure I want to live my life like this forever I certainly couldn't foresee working in the media agency business until I retired. So I figured it was time to start doing some planning and give some thought to what I really wanted to do. And I suppose the first thing about that, which many people struggle with, understandably, as I did, is where do you start? And it's massively daunting. You've worked all your adult life, half your total life. For me, it was in one business. And it was certainly in one sector. Albeit it changed dramatically in that time, but it was still, you know, sort of daunting things to get your head around. Especially then you throw in the responsibilities of family into that. But I got involved in the process, so I had an excellent coach, a lady called Ann Taylor, who still practices Three Directions Coaching, and we set about the journey, the early stages of the journey. And that first part is the key part, and it's all about identifying the values that are going to drive you as you go forward. Or, oh Jesus, this road's busy. I'll clear now.
it's not really identifying the values, it's being, it's recognising what they are. Because your values sit within you, they are you. It's just getting them out, writing them down, thinking about them. And that drives everything else. And values are interesting because I think you've all probably, anyone sitting in a corporate organisation, will know about values or words on walls as they can often be called. These are our values everybody, the CEO and the leadership team might say. They're going to drive everything that we do. And often that's because that's what we want them to be, rather than what they actually are. And also what you find, having done that exercise myself many times in businesses, you know that what's behind the scenes to that is a huge amount of debate over semantics, over this word or that word. Is it collaborative or is it cooperative? Are we working with each other despite having distant causes, different causes, or are we working collectively for the common good? So what's the right word there, collaborative or cooperative, for example? And the other thing that comes through when businesses do value-based exercises is they're all really obvious. Like, yes, we'll be collaborative. Yes, we'll be ambitious. He's not going to be ambitious in business. Uh, Yes, we will be loyal to our people. We'll work hard for our clients. Yeah, 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 obviously. Obviously going to say that. What's the alternative? We're a bit lazy. We're not very good at managing our people. We're shit leaders. So the values process can actually be a little bit um, counterproductive is not quite the right word, but well in business it can actually because if you get if you get your values wrong and they aren't what you're living as a leadership team or it's not what your people experience, then it really won't work. They won't land at all. And the reality is you can't land values anyway. You can't force people into a certain set of criteria for which they will make decisions and that drive their behaviour. Because they've got their own value system that's driving them. And the point I really wanted to make there was that it's not the words that are important. Identifying the exact words and remembering them off by heart, like you remember the morning prayer or the Lord's Prayer, is not the point at all. The point is, what's the sentiment behind them? What do they mean? And being able to articulate that is where the value, pardon the pun, where the value lies, especially if you as an individual. So, working that process through, 
sort of lands on six broad areas which I'll go through and as I'm speaking as I'm talking about I mean, you can judge if you know me which well you all do really Um, you can determine whether you think it's true or not whether I'm true to them or whether I'm talking rubbish so and they come in no particular order Uh, and again there's themes rather than exact words but one is excellence and that is about you know, it's not, it doesn't mean being brilliant at stuff, it doesn't mean being better than others necessarily, although there is a little bit of that in there. It is about doing things well, and doing things properly. And in particular, and this feeds into some others, it's about substance over style. I would much rather do something that's meaningful that served its purpose rather than something that looks amazing but has no purpose at all or has less purpose and that's why this podcast approach is is interesting because the thought for me of producing something high tech with double ender microphones and jingles and editing suites and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that, to be honest, that skirt feels me with a bit of fear. Because I think within those processes, perhaps this is me and the way I operate, but they've become barriers to actually doing stuff that's meaningful. So I'd much rather go for a jog and chat as I go. And that might cost me some people. Might Some people probably don't like it at all. kind of cool with that because the chances are the people that do have values that reflect mine in this area of substance over style you can apply it to my running as well I'm not the most poetic of runners but I get stuff done uh, the second area is about loyalty. Now, I'm not really sure where this comes from. Well, having said that, I'm going to tell you about my father. He's lived in the same house his entire life, which he inherited from his father. He bought the the house and the farm before the Second World War. Um, in that time, he used to play cricket for the same cricket club. He stopped now, but he's an umpire for 50 years. He's been chairman of that cricket club for virtually my entire life. And needless to say, my parents 
together and had been since the mid 60s. So that probably gives you a fair indication of where loyalty comes from. Twenty-year career in the same company. And a few of the principles and practices I operate within the Milestone Pursuit are built with that concept of loyalty in mind. For example, with any people who've been with you a long time, their rates are the same as when they started. Although things did change recently when I could stop charging VAT. Um, Yeah, so sticking with things, keeping going with things, that's what loyalty is all about. Sometimes you have to walk away, obviously. But let's try things out first before we throw the towel in. Now the third area is integrity. And for me, that's about doing things for the right reasons. And it's a bit like what I was talking about before with money-oriented business and value-driven business. There are businesses who make a lot of money and do make a lot of money and a lot of people who make a lot of money are being focused entirely on making a lot of money. No doubt about that. And fair play. That's your driver. Why not? But, I would argue that is probably short-term thinking. And you may well run into issues longer term if you approach everything with that lens. So I prefer, and my value set will determine that, to think about the long term and work back from there and do things for the right reasons. And predominantly that's about you know, how you handle people. How you support people. What value you offer people, not what you reduce them to. How you build people up. Because of course in many cases in businesses that are under pressure to grow profit but top line revenue isn't growing which is pretty much every business in 2020 you've got to keep your people down you've got to keep your costs low it's the only way to drive profit in um, a low growth context well it's not the only way but it's the way that people with a money-oriented or outcome-oriented process will think 
and closely alongside integrity comes authenticity. So that's coming across, or being who you are, really. Not pretending to be anything that you're not. And running is fantastic for that. You just can't. In running, well, you can't be someone you're not. You can't perform in a way that you aren't built to do. There's no hiding place for running. You look at the track. Any kind of track race is fantastic. Night of the 10,000 metre PVs. You put yourself out there. 25 laps. Hundreds of people watching. There is no escape. It is you. You've got to be you. If you can, if you go off too fast and try and keep up with people who you who you want to be rather than who you actually are you're going to get burned. And that's a big driver. Uh, Number five. Oh, this is coming at a bad time. I'm going uphill. Number five is hard work. I like a bit of hard work. I like working. But in particular, for me, the hard work is not about the outcome. You know, of course I like outcomes. I love, you know, I talked last time, you know, comrade, the Comrade Marathon is a fantastic outcome. Top 100. One of the most amazing races. I'm really chuffed with that outcome. But the process of getting there was so much more instructive and is really the thing that will remain with me. Of course, I can remember, and hopefully will for a long time to come, bits of that race and many other races. I can you know, hang my hat on a big moments or proud moments. But it's also you know, the thought that goes into the into the plan on the day, the preparation in advance, the training that goes into it and the endeavour that involved. I love that kind of sense that you're really giving everything to the process and it's when and I think when you give everything to a process and when that process is driven by values the outcomes follow there's a flip side to all of that which is hard work is is draining and you've got to learn when to switch off and funnily enough running has taught me that too thing I often say is hard work is important grafting is important but 
rest and recovery is essential. And I'll go back again to my childhood. And you know, in particular my memories of my dad as a farmer. And this is a 300 acre farm. He's running it entirely on his own with, with my mum. Myself, my sisters would help out some of those stuff. You might have a oh YTS yeah. scheme worker from nearby agricultural college. But that was about it. And it all sits, all sits on my dad's shoulders, the whole thing. And it's physical. All weathers. But of course, you don't ever switch off. There's always something to be thinking about, planning for, what's coming next, what's the weather doing. So much to consider. Yeah. And I always remember, as a kid, nine o'clock was cut off. Now, obviously, used to go to bed a bit early now when I was little, but. Eventually you'd be allowed to stay up a little bit later and watch TV, the one TV, and, uh, and after nine o'clock you couldn't say a word. It was, no, this is quiet time now, this is resting time. And, you know, I used to think that was a bit nuts. Respectively, of course. later in life you realise how important that was for both my parents to rest and relax. and freedom. No one likes to be told what to do, particularly. Uh, and I'm not dissimilar. And this area is where you cover off the issue of money. Because it's all well and good me saying all these things about my values and that drives what I want to do. But like everyone, I still need to make a bit of money, put a roof over my family's heads. Obviously my wife works too, or not obviously, but she does. So it's very much a joint exercise. But for me, you know, it's really important to think about what money is and why it's important. And it's for me, it's about freedom of choice. lucky through the first 
half of my career, first 20 years, I managed to get myself into a position where I had freedom of choice. decide what to do, or I can decide what to do, and how to live. Of course that takes you know, some thought really about how you're going to spend your money, and what things are important to you, but to a certain extent our recent house moved to Epping Forest, we're driven by that, we're driven by having a bit of freedom more space, getting out from underneath the feet of everybody else, and it's freedom that drives me to make the money that I think I need to make to sustain the lifestyle that I'd like to live. really is about all the things I've talked about and being free to make my own choices. Now, I don't know if you're finding that interesting at all. There's a flip side to it all and there's some, uh, those are the things that I think make me me that are built in to me through nature and nurture, things that you learn, but also the way that you are, the way that your brain works. But also obviously the people that influence you along the way, both positively and negatively. And it's really worth giving some thought to, as you make your own reflections, as to what your value sets are. It's also worth thinking about what they're not. And there's a couple of things I just wanted to touch on that drive me the other way that I hate and they're broadly the same as two specifics these to get me riled and forgive me but the first one's bullshitters well bullshit and bullshitters so people who make stuff up to make themselves look better just never really understand the point of that never have uh, which is also why I was never cut out for sales. I could never sell something that I didn't fully believe the value of, as so many people have to do. And it's obvious, by the way, if you don't believe what you're selling, everybody else can spot it and they won't buy it. Um, but it's also in that area is that un- unnecessary complication drives me nuts technology for example is wonderful it's really speeded up loads of things but Christ it's going to be difficult you've got to plug this into that and integrate this with the other sign up to that Oh no, there's 20 people who do that, but we're the best at it. 
because we do X, Y, and Z. Make you start. No wonder I just record a podcast on a basic phone recording app. I was actually pretty surprised I was able to launch a, on a podcast platform. Remember it started out as an audio file, I just sent people. It's getting more complicated now though. Funnily enough. Anyway. Uh, and then the other area say what it really is the podcast will get taken down but it's people who trample on other people to achieve their success or worse just to boost their own ego and it's that sort of behaviour piece of self-analysis but it does help you define how you want to behave and like I say well like I said earlier whoa got pink from nowhere uh, you can judge of yourselves whether what I'm saying is a fair reflection and then that leads me on to the last point in this area really I mean, these things I've talked about are the things that help me make decisions they're the things that drive my process if, if what I do doesn't sit well within my value set then I probably wouldn't do it But here's the thing, you will definitely be able to find times when I didn't live to my values and there'll be loads of people from my 20 year career in advertising will say, no but you said this then and you used to think that then and I'll go, yeah that is, that is true and that's fair enough that you call me out on it because the reality is you also have to behave within a certain environment in a certain way. Society expects us to conform. And while I may well transgress my value set, and I may well have done many times in the past, the point is that each time I do and each time I did, it jars. It doesn't feel comfortable. And for a long while, you're thinking, why is that? You know, one of the biggest criticisms people used to level at me, my bosses used to level at me, was that I was low profile. I was never a good networker. I was never a good front man. And I was like, yeah, I know. But I'm shit at it. And I used to try and work at it. Presentation courses. even did an acting course at one point. And uh, it's just, just, it just jars really jars 
and it's because he's not in the value set it's not me this podcast is perfect because I'm able to do it in my own way and I'm capable of standing up in front of groups of people and I usually get decent feedback when I do that's because I do it to my, my values come across as me well in fact I don't even try and come across as anything I'll just be I'll be who I am as much as I can so the key really to all of this is for me anyway it's about using those values or understanding those values understanding what really makes me work to find the purpose of the remainder of my working life and indeed my life and seek employment is probably not the right word but seek a career in doing something that meets those values and again I go back to what I said before a few people when I set out my journey to become a running coach are like yeah but you're never going to make much money doing that yeah well maybe not and I certainly won't if I set about it with that objective in mind so let's start the other way let's set about a values driven process and we'll let the outcomes take care of themselves and it's interesting that now five years into the milestone pursuit loyal base of clients who speak mostly openly and honestly and who hopefully value what the business and what I offer together is running because there is no hiding place there is no mistruths if you compromise your values in running you'll end up broken or injured really good place to be so if you're listening to this and you're running I'd say you're in an amazing position to be really thinking about 
what your values are. Whether or not what you do now is living to them as well as you'd like them to, you'd like it to, and whether or not you want to embark upon a process of change. And of course, just because I have and just because you're reflecting doesn't mean to say you should. You may reflect and go, actually, you know what? I'm alright. My values are this. I'm living well to them. And if I'm clearer about that, I'm actually going to be even more motivated to do whatever it is I'm doing. cool and it doesn't have to be worthy I know some of the stuff I talk about can come across as a bit worthy especially around money you know I always think if you like nice things and you like expensive things and you want a flash car then fair play just don't hide from it crunch it out but yeah I like cars I like cars because of these reasons, for this reason, I can feel alive, I like adrenaline, whatever it is, own it. Doesn't matter what other people think. Thanks for bearing with the rambling. We've got to the end. Well done. And thank you. If not, down. And I'll be back again with some more sessions in the next week. Thanks, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.